Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. What up, MD Nation? Welcome back to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Streaming to you live on social media at Show, And, of course, always live on our YouTube channel. Please subscribe. We're also live tonight on Amazon Fire TV. Just look up the MD's Fantasy Football Show app, and we're live there, too. Soon, we'll be available to you 24-7 on Roku, too. So that's going to come up within the next couple of weeks here. Very excited about that. Chris, I'm also very excited to dive into week 13 with you. Chris Dowhower joined the show with myself, Dan Mater. And the reason why is because we're two weeks away from the playoffs. But we had a complete mayhem coming out of the Thanksgiving week. You know, everybody wants to eat their turkey. They want to get their mental break. But fantasy football was not giving their owners a mental break at all heading out of the week. We had major injuries happen throughout the weekend. We covered them in the recap show, but now we have to figure out how to move forward, what expectations we have on these guys, who's going to step in, and that's what today's show is going to be about. It's going to be about the Thursday night and the early slate games for week 13. We're going to go through all our betting analysis, all of our fantasy expectations, but first and foremost, and more importantly, Chris, how are you doing today? 
I'm doing okay. I'm watching these RB ones drop like flies. Like as you're talking about the chaos hitting, hitting, and you know fantasy owners right now as the playoffs are you know approaching, and you got two weeks basically to kind of salvage your season hopefully. And right now it's you know all all hands on deck, and we're hopefully we can kind of guide you through that and get you some winners out there. I know I was reading an article recently about how Vegas had the biggest killing this past month that it's had all time. So hopefully it wasn't from listening to MDs. Hopefully we're winning any money, not helping you, not helping Vegas out. Yeah, we never want to help Vegas at all. We want to take money from them. But the big reason why Vegas has been winning so much because everything that is not supposed to happen has been happening. Essentially, that's that's the big thing. We came out of the month of November. Maybe the month of December will be a little bit different. But Chris, let's kick off the show with a little bit of breaking news. Breaking news. So the Seattle Seahawks signed Adrian Peterson today, which I thought was very interesting. And I loved all the memes on social media because it was wrong on the same lines of you're a three and eight team who's about to blow the whole thing up. And your big acquisition to turn it all around is to sign 38 year old Adrian Peterson. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense from a fantasy standpoint. I'll say this. It can't be much worse than Alex Collins, but it can be the same. And I don't know that it'd be any different. Chris, you take anything out of this at all, fantasy wise? I mean, not a whole lot. I do think that you take maybe a flyer on this guy with like talked about running backs dropping like flies right now. Uh, you can't be worse than Alex Collins, I think. And over the last five weeks, Alex Collins has basically bombed out. So maybe Adrian Peterson can be that spark, get you a touchdown, which we're basically hoping more so as Russell Wilson gets his crap together because otherwise it's not going to matter. <laughs> Right. Well, that's the big thing. This The offense seems broken. Russell Wilson can't get right. And that's going to be the big trick that they're going to have to turn on if they want to have anything fantasy relevant whatsoever. But we got more things to talk about here. Uh, first and foremost, I'm getting, I'm getting a note from uh, Chaz. I want you guys to know, so we, every Friday we do the MD's DFS contest, which you guys can sign up for for free. And if you win, you win an easy sports betting data sheet. You also get your chance to be eligible for the monthly giveaway. We'll announce those monthly giveaways and, and the winners on, on Friday's show. But I want to give you guys a head up because what you win is a championship football from championshipfootballs.com. Well, he's giving us an exclusive deal where you use the promo code belly from now until Christmas Eve. He'll give you 33% off of a championship football. So it's a very great gift, especially for Christmas. These are genuine championship footballs, the best decorative piece of, you know, hardware you could possibly have for your favorite team, college or pro. So keep that in mind there too. I just want to give a shout out to our guy, Chaz, giving us that exclusive deal. All right, Chris, let's talk about this Thursday night game. You know what I find most interesting about this Thursday night game between Dallas and the Saints we had one day of people saying, oh, guess what? Mike McCarthy's not going to be able to coach this week because of COVID-19. And no one has talked about it, cared about it since. I believe it was on Monday. Not one person has talked about Mike McCarthy not being on the sidelines as a detriment to the Dallas Cowboys, a benefit to the New Orleans Saints. Nobody. No one cares. I find that hilarious. I find that to be true because I know I don't care from a fantasy perspective that he's not on the sideline. Maybe they'll have better clock management because he's not the one calling the plays anyway. It's Kellen Moore. This is the Kellen Moore show. There's been rumors out there that perhaps Jerry Jones would want to promote Kellen Moore rather than keep on a Mike McCarthy or rather than lose a Kellen Moore to somebody else. So this is his chance to show what he can kind of do. I think it's going to be very, very interesting watching it from that standpoint. 
But while McCarthy won't be there, Amari Cooper will be. So they're going to be full-fledged, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But first, I want your reaction to Mike McCarthy. Yeah, I think that's also very funny. I think that speaks to the speaks volumes about how people kind of evaluate his importance. But I also think that's you know something that's necessarily a story right now. So many different coaches have been out. So many different teams have kind of been through this in a sense. You saw recently Kingsbury was out for a period of time for Arizona. You've seen different coordinators and coaches be out. So I feel like this is something that people that people are just getting kind of numb to versus you know making it just like McCarthy such a, a bomb that nobody cares. But I, I can't I can't definitely argue with you that he definitely on game day, doesn't have a lot of responsibility. Dan Quinn calls the defense. Kellen Moore calls the offense. Uh, McCarthy's there to look you know, pretty, I guess. <laughs> well, I just think it's interesting because if you actually look at it, every team that has not been able to have their head coach on the sideline with them due to COVID-19 has lost. But when it comes to McCarthy, no one seems to care. No one seems to care at all. I just find it very interesting. I, I didn't hear that people get very sad that Matt Maggie didn't. You know, no, but they did lose Chicago that game. I'm just, I'm just saying. They did lose that game. I, I'm just saying. Uh, getting back to the Amari Cooper is returning from COVID-19. Now, there's a lot of conflicting reports on him, and I'm on social media. I'm trying to keep everybody in MD Nation up to date. If you follow us along at BillyFMDFFShow, and we put out these player news notifications, you might have noticed when it came to Cooper and another player we'll talk about later on in the show today. There's a little bit of back and forth. There was, it depended on what beat writer you were talking to, what inside source came forward, but there was some inside sources saying that there's no way Amari Cooper is going to be able to play. He still has the sniffles. He's still not, uh, he, he, his, his conditioning still way off. He does seem to be struggling with the breathing. And then the other side report was, no, 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 he's going to play. He's going to be fine. And then he gets activated from the COVID-19 list today. He's expected to travel with the team. So our expectation is that Amari Cooper will be out there and active. I have him at wide receiver 30. I have him taking a dip. There's a couple of reasons. One, he might be matched up on Lattimore. But two, I got to see where he's at. He just returned to practice at all on any capacity on a Monday. If he was truly affected by this, I do worry about his conditioning. Yeah, I can't argue that. I think there's going to be some concerns when he plays. He's going to kind of be involved or out there. I think that if he's active, though, you still kind of look at Amari Cooper as an option for yourself because Dallas doesn't really have a whole lot of options. Wilson's not going to play this week. Uh, they did get Gallup back, so it is a big part of their offense that you guys will have you know, some insurance for. But I think Cooper is going to be out there. I just I do definitely agree with you that it is concerning that his conditioning could be an issue and that you have two other receivers out there that can kind of play for him, so to speak, and take up some of the time and keep him you know, fresh. Yeah, again, a wide receiver 30, I still have him as a play. Usually you play in three receiver leagues or flex. He's still in play from that position. But he's that low for me due to that. And also Michael Gallup, is only at wide receiver 32. I only have him two spots lower. And I would actually have Michael Gallup ahead of Amari Cooper if it wasn't for the fact that Cedric Wilson is going to miss this game. That leads me to believe that Cooper might get thrusted into a bigger snap role than maybe they would necessarily want to because they're going to be shorthand at the wide receiver position because outside of that, they're going to have Noah Brown and pretty much nothing else to go along with it. So I do think Cooper gets pushed up, but Gallup is somebody I definitely want to have in my lineups as a flex play as well, even with all three of them out there. Keep in mind here, the Saints have a very good run defense, usually speaking. Throwing the football is how you move the ball on them for the most part. I think all three receivers can be assets this week. By the way, we'll just mention CeeDee Lamb. Obviously, you're starting him. He's my wide receiver 11 on the week. The good thing about him is that when Amari Cooper's out there and Michael Gallup's out there, he gets to dominate the slot, and there's no slot corner who can keep up with C.D. Lamb. But Michael Gallup, I want to get your reaction to him for this week. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it could be him or Cooper. I think two of the three of the guys are going to be able to eat. One of my bigger concerns outside of, you know, the New Orleans run defense and you know, Cowboys being able to throw the ball as a result, I, I have more of a fear that this is going to be a, almost a borderline rugby game, especially on the Saints side. Uh, we, we got Jason Williams, we'll get to, you know, Jason Hill in this one in a second. But this is going to be a, a game where I think both teams are going to try to run the ball and the clock could be moving pretty quickly. So I'm a little bit concerned that there might be some limited upside for the receivers in this game. But I do think that two of the three guys are going to hit. It depends on do you trust Gallup, do you trust Cooper more. I think it's going to be time to depend on where you are as a team. I agree that the Saints are going to come out and run as much as they can. But you really think the Cowboys are going to? With Zeke, I know Zeke's been practicing in full. We'll talk about him in, in more in depth in a second. But with Zeke being not 100%, and the Saints having the good run defense, you got to get Dak more consistent. I mean, he, he came through with a stat line last week against the Raiders, but it wasn't, it didn't leave you with a lot of confidence after that game moving forward because most of it happened in the fourth quarter moving on. I think you got to get him right and you finally have all of his weapons at once. Do you really think they're going to try to run the ball? I don't know if I agree with that. I think they are. I think there's a lot of talk about, you know, Dallas not running the ball over the last four, three or four games right now, and how as a, as a result, it hasn't just been Zeke and people kind of just keep pointing the finger at him as he's not achieving, but Pollard's only averaging about 3.9 yards per carry as well over the last four games. So it's the running game in general just hasn't been explosive and they haven't committed to it. They haven't had any guys that go over 50 yards rushing as a player, Pollard or Zeke. So I think one of the things they're kind of committed to is running the ball. And you did see this, you know, the Eagles kind of be able to move the ball quite well against the Saints. It was a little bit different of a system, but I think one of the things that people kind of overestimate when it comes to the Saints is, they're hard to run at right at them, but they're not hard to run against if you actually try to attack the edges, similar to Tampa Bay in some ways. And I think that's where you can actually use your, your Dallas's running game actually could be effective versus them, particularly Pollard. I think they're going to try to use both those backs a bit more this week than they have over the last few weeks. Now, we have the, all the confusion with Ezekiel Elliott, too. They come out like, oh, yeah, the weekend. Like, We're going to ask Zeke to maybe rest, take some time off. And then Jerry Jones comes out on his radio show on Monday morning. He's like, no, 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 no. Zeke's getting a full workload. He's out there practicing in full. There's no rest for Ezekiel Elliott. Get the hell out of here. Uh, look, either way, I don't love the matchup. He's looked slow. I don't think, while, yes, they played last Thanksgiving, so technically this is a full week in between games. I don't know if one full week has allowed him to heal up to the point where he's back to where he was earlier in the season when he was starting to churn out and really rip off some, some good yardage runs there like he was earlier on. I do. You have to play him. But I have an RB16. I got him as an RB2. I want you guys to make sure you're lowering your expectations. I don't have Zeke going into this week as an RB1. I do think Tony Pollard, regardless of what Jerry Jones says, will be a little bit more involved than he has been the past couple of weeks. I actually have an RB30, so you can kind of contemplate playing him as a flex as an RB3 if you are so desperate to do so. I wouldn't want to trust it because we don't know what kind of share he's really truly going to get. But he's in the mix at RB30 for me this week because I am anticipating a little bit of an uptick in his volume. So are you seeing the same thing as I am when it comes to our overall output in this game? Absolutely. I think that neither running back is going to necessarily go off, but you think both guys can give you production. I think Zeke's going to give you that you know borderline RB2, RB3 production, and Pollard's definitely a good flex option. I think where you're going to see him kind of shine this week is going to be in the passing game more than just the running game where you can attack those linebackers in the passing game of the Saints. So I do think Paul is going to be able to get his, so to speak. And Dak's my QB9. You're going to start Dak regardless this game. But the reason why I don't have him to say in my top five, you know on paper this is showing as a top 10 matchup against the Saints because quarterbacks have been doing very, very well against them. The problem is Dak himself 
has been so wildly inconsistent. Like just that game alone, like the Raiders, the first half, he did absolutely nothing, came alive in the second half. The week before that, he was a fantasy dud. The week before that, he was fantasy gold. I don't know if he's still, it does look like to me, he's still dealing with that calf injury. He doesn't look quite right when he actually has to be mobile. We haven't seen him be mobile as a result of that. There was a couple passes last week that really stood out to me when he tried to roll out and throw on the run. And he was definitely laboring as he was trying to run and make those passes. So I don't think Dak's quite 100% right, which I think is leading to some inconsistencies in his game as of this moment. You're still going to play him as a QB9, but there is a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde coming out of Dak right now. Yeah, I tried to bring that up last week as one of my concerns going into the Thanksgiving game. They still want to have more 400 yards passing, but it was very you know, spurting. Spurtable, I should say, in a way, like where it was just basically big plays he had here or there that kind of saved the day. Overall, he just hasn't looked right for me for a couple of weeks, and I don't think he's kind of returned to his form where he's not able to push the ball down the field as accurately, consistently as he had, and talk about his mobility. It seems like he just doesn't seem like he's comfortable or smooth back there. And I do think Dallas's offense kind of is struggling as a result, not just because the running game's out there, because I think Dak's not necessarily on his A game right now. Yeah, I can't disagree. And one thing that surprised me about this team going into this game, a lot of, a lot of fantasy implications when it comes to Dallas. I thought for sure I would be moving Dalton Schultz outside of my top 12 if they ever got all the receivers back healthy. However, he does make my top 10. He's my number 10 tight end on the week this, this week. Not a great match against the Saints, but there's four teams on by, and fewer guys have had more utilization than Dalton Schultz at the tight end position, regardless of what's going on with the Dallas Cowboys at the wide receiver position too. As long as Blake Jarwin continues to miss or he continues to play well behind Dalton Schultz, I do believe there's enough to still play him as a tight end one, even with all the weapons back. Yeah, I was, I mean, I'm mistaken. I thought Blake Jarwin was injured, um, but I yeah, do think he's going to continue to be. Yeah. So I think Schultz is going to continue to be the guy and continue to be that guy that has a floor. As I talked about with you know Dallas trying to establish him in the run, a big beneficiary of that usually is a tight end. So you can see Schultz having opportunity to kind of be productive in this game as well. So you mentioned a little bit earlier about Taysom Hill. He's going to be a starting quarterback. Finally, I guess getting the crap beat kicked out of them by the Buffalo Bills finally set Sean Payton over the edge. Now, in other news, though, with them, Alvin Kamara looks like he's going to play tomorrow. He was a limited participant in practice. He's officially listed as questionable today. Of course, we'll keep you up to date leading into the game tomorrow on social media at BillyFMDFF Show. Mark Ingram, he's fully good. He's off the injury report altogether. He's going to be good to go. It does sound like their offensive line, however, is still going to be banged up. Teron Armstead, uh, Ramscheck. Ramscheck, I think, has a possibility to play. Armstead, definitely not, but both could be out in this game. So we still have some offensive line woes you're going to have to deal with. But if Alvin Kamara is out there, obviously you're playing him. He's my RB7 on the week. They're going to have to lean on him. But does he take a tick down? Kind of why I have him as RB7. Because now you got Taysom Hill. And everybody remembers last year, it took a couple of weeks before Alvin Kamara could get his fantasy value back. Because the big thing is you got to worry about Taysom Hill stealing those goal line touchdowns. On top of that, you kind of have to worry about Mark Ingram stealing those goal line touchdowns a little bit now, too, because if he's actually ready to go, I don't know if they're going to be willing to thrust Alvin Kamara back to the line to his full workload. Maybe they will because they're desperate enough. But what are you seeing out of the situation with Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram, Taysom Hill tomorrow night? Yeah, I err more on a side of caution when it comes to Kamara, where I do think he's somebody you have to start because he's on your team. 
But what you're looking for probably is similar to the Zeke situation where you're looking for a flex option in a sense, not the RB1 you're hoping to have when you have El Camara out there in your lineup. I think you have a game here where it's going to kind of be really hard for him to kind of shine. I think this is, in a way, Neron's kind of playoff game in a lot of ways, where I think that's why he's getting kind of pushed along. I do question how you know healthy he's going to be, and I think he'll have packages probably, and he'll be somebody they kind of use as a chess piece. But as you pointed out, Ingram's going to be, to me, the biggest key where his health, his healthy return and his usage is going to definitely limit Kamara with a, adding a Taysom Hill to this equation as well. I think those two players are going to limit Kamara, but Ingram above all, because I think Ingram can kind of be the guy that they can kind of wear out this game and kind of use Kamara as that, that mismatch guy as they can kind of need to on, on a key third down or key play here or there. Well, I think the other guys are going to kind of do the heavy lifting. Yeah. And was, now again, Kamara's my RB seven. He's still an RB one. All we're saying here is that there is a floor. There's a risk heading into this game, but you got to play him if you have him back. I'm not, not trying to dissuade MD nation on that point, but I do want to use that to make the point of marking was my RB 37. So yes, he does come out just outside my top 36, but I think you can consider him in the flex, depending upon what your roster makeup is this week. Again, we got four teams on by. This is a heavy bye week, and teams are trying to make the playoffs right now. You can't afford to lose out. So we're trying to find guys who have maybe unexpected value. Mark Ingram very well might be one of those guys. Taysom Hill. Now, I was a few weeks early on Taysom Hill in my leagues. I picked him up pretty much everywhere I could because I wanted to be able to play him as a top 12 quarterback. He doesn't quite make top 12 for me this week. I'm a little bit hesitant. It's a little weird to me. That is a guy that's going from a plantar fasciitis issue, hasn't played much the past couple of weeks because of the foot issue. Now, all of a sudden, it's completely off the injury report. But it's, it's a little odd to me to expect exactly what you're going to get out of a Taysom Hill. Remember, this isn't last year. He doesn't have a Michael Thomas to be able to at least throw the ball to when he actually has to throw the football. So that part is going to be interesting to see how that all works out. We do know he's going to run. We do know he's the possibility to rush for touchdowns, plural, in any given week. As a result, he's my QB 13. So he's my top streaming quarterback. He is a, he's a viable play for me. What do you think Taysom Hill is going to do in this game? And what are you looking for out of him moving forward? I think it's really tough. It's a great matchup for on, on paper versus Dallas. And you would really like the opportunity to kind of throw Taysom Hill into your lineup this week, especially as you kind of talked about different situ- situations with buys and availability of different players. He should have a good floor. But as you kind of pointed out, I'm also kind of skeptical about this whole how he can't move around now so he can play quarterback. But is he going to be able to play Taysom Hill type of quarterback where he does use his legs, where he does run? Because what I don't want to sit there and start my lineup is a guy who tries to play pocket quarterback Taysom Hill because right. they don't have any playmakers, as you pointed out. And I think this offense can severely struggle with uh, what we've seen the last few weeks where every quarterback has kind of played. And James Winston has a lot more talent than Taysom Hill does. And, Jason, and Winston wasn't putting up the numbers you were kind of hoping for week in, week out. You got big game, that one first game was mostly touchdowns. You weren't really seeing any volume. So if Taysom Hill's not running the ball, then he doesn't have the value that you want at all for your starter. Um, so I think that to me is kind of something I'm a little bit more concerned about. I'd want to personally wait one week to kind of see. I know it's a really tantalizing matchup, so maybe you don't. But I do think it's a guy you definitely do add and make, and especially you know as we kind of move towards the playoffs and with all the wild things that are going on between COVID people getting injured, you want to make sure you have a good quarterback option just in case. And maybe even two, because one thing you don't want to get caught in the playoffs is not having a quarterback. A lot of these running backs are dropping like flies, but you want to have a key guy at your position in a quarterback where you don't have any options and you kind of get stuck in the same situation like I did last week with Cam Newton at your quarterback. So <laughs> it's just things that you got to kind of be aware of 
and see some of these guys take some shots. But maybe this week, if your playoffs are on the line, you don't necessarily you know make that leap. But if you're sitting there pretty pretty and you got like a good you know game or two to kind of mess around over the next two weeks over for playoff time, maybe throw a taste of hell in your lineup to see how it works out. Well, you made two excellent points there. You hit the nail on the head. I want to wait a week because I want to see physically where is Taysom Hill before I feel confident about playing. And that's why he's not in my top 12. Again, QB 13, though, because the potential is still there. And then the other point, you're saying all these running backs are falling down and, and everything like that. Quarterbacks, not as much, but the quarterbacks in general this year have been more inconsistent than any other year I can even think of off the top of my head, especially the elite ones. The Usually, the top five quarterbacks almost always finish in the top 12. Maybe they're not always in the top five, but they almost always finish inside the top 12. It's been Jekyll and Hyde at the position, no matter who you are this season. So, pick up a Taysom Hill, especially if you've been a guy who's been, maybe you have a quarterback like a, a Joe Burrow or a Justin Herbert, somebody who's somebody who's been kind of more of a back-end QB1 who's been 50-50 as far as their fantasy value. You want to pick up a Taysom Hill and play him in certain matchups so you know he's going to have opportunities to score touchdowns if he physically looks great tomorrow night. So that's why he's on my waiver wire report, but that's also why he's the guy that I'm still going to key on for the future, but I want to wait one more week. I want to see exactly where he is at. I got a comment coming in before we go to the betting line. Uh, Dan here says, Taylor, Hill, Cousins, Ryan, or Garoppolo for the quarterback position. Of that group, I do have Taysom Hill ranked the highest. I have Kirk Cousins one spot behind Taysom Hill. With Kirk Cousins, you're running the risk of they're playing Detroit. Even though they don't have Dalvin Cook, they still could get out of there with Alexander Madison without putting too much pressure on, or he could he could light up against Detroit. It's either going to be one or the other. But uh, Taysom Hill, one spot ahead of him, both 13 and 14 for me heading into this week. So it'll be one of those two for me. How about you, Chris? Yeah, I'm probably going to go with Taysom Hill in that situation. I like Kirk Cousins as the other option, but I'm agreeing with you. There's, it's a, You can see easily that Vikings game being a, a game they can just run the ball and kind of be more conservative. With Taysom Hill, at least you have the opportunity that even if the game gets kind of, kind of out of control, you should be able to scramble to have someone of a floor for you. So I'd probably go Hill in that situation. All right, let's talk about the betting side of this game. This is what I'm talking about, the, the line not moving because Mike McCarthy is not on the sideline. Dallas is favored Minus five on the road. Go to New Orleans. The over-under set at 47. That seems like a pretty high over-under for me. Uh, I'm going to take the Saints plus five here. I think Sean Payton's too good of a coach. I think they find a way to bounce back. And if they play their game, this, this game's going to go one of two ways. Either the Saints will find a way to play their game and keep this thing close, play defense, frustrate Dallas, never allow them to get into a rhythm, or Dallas is going to blow them out. It's going to be one of two ways. So <laughs> I'm going to take the under. I'm going to take the Saints plus five. I don't see him getting blown out at home second week in a row. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on this one where I'm, I'm not making a bet, so I can't say I'm with you on that part of it. But the thing with the not knowing what's going to happen, I think Dallas can easily just destroy New Orleans. But I also see New Orleans, as the guys talked about, I think that their season's on the line in a sense. And I see Sean Payton kind of gearing up like this is a playoff game. I can see them kind of having a whole all hands in deck. When they play at home, they're a different team. And they did play in Philadelphia last week. So usually when that happens, they play on the road. The stinkers usually come there at home sometimes. They get extra little burst, particularly offensively. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see how this kind of game unfolds. But, yeah, I'm not touching a game with a 10-foot pool because I think one of the things that you hope to see is one of these two teams actually show their true colors. And if that happens, I think Dallas is going to show you that they're more dominant and Orleans is a pretender. Can't disagree. Okay. Let's move into the Tampa Bay game, the Atlanta game, NFC South. 
And this is what I had to say to Bruce Arians. Do not ever listen to a word Bruce Arians says about injuries. Never. Never do it. Antonio Brown was supposed to come back this week. We got all this confirmation. You know, last week, Bruce Arians says, oh, I expect him back week 13 against Atlanta. That's what I was hoping for. We get all the word, you know, well after the fact that, oh, yeah, the doctors told Antonio Brown it was going to be six weeks all along. Then we find out this week, well, it looks like it's a different ankle injury than we thought it was these past six weeks, apparently. He's going to miss two more weeks now. He's going to miss this week. He's going to miss week 14. So now the earliest you're expecting Antonio Brown to be back is the first round of your fantasy football playoffs in week 15. Maybe he will be. Who knows? We haven't been able to trust anything they've said so far to this point. On a larger scale, now Antonio Brown himself has been very valuable, so you have to keep holding on to him, and I know that part's been frustrating, but this is more the point I want to get to when it comes to this week. Tom Brady hasn't really looked like Tom Brady since Antonio Brown has gotten injured. He's had a couple of pop games here and there, but he hasn't been as consistent, which is crazy to say when you think about all the weapons that he has at his disposal, even without Antonio Brown. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. But he really hasn't. Having said that, I don't think Leonard Fournette goes off for four touchdowns again this week. I do think they get back on track to some degree, especially against Atlanta. I think Tom Brady wants to get back on track. He's coming in at my QB one this week. But I'm, you know, I got everybody. Everybody on Tampa Bay is at the top of their position. Tom Brady's my number one. Mike Evans, my wide receiver five. Chris Godwin's my wide receiver seven. Rob Gronkowski is my tight end four. Leonard Fournette is my RB five. Just play everybody. Guess who I'm going to be targeting in DFS on Friday? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely understandable, particularly playing uh, an atrocious defense like Atlanta and also an awful offense Atlanta has as well. Um, I think that's a good call. I think that you want to definitely roll out most of the Buccaneer players that you have as you can. Um, I think Tom Brady does bounce back. I do think uh, there can be easy concerns that Leonard Fournette could easily dominate this game again and run for four touchdowns. And you can maybe not just be all for net. Maybe Ron Jones runs for a couple too as well because Atlanta can't stop the run. But I do agree with you. One of the things you've kind of seen all year long, particularly with Tampa, is when they have a guy who kind of forgotten about or players who were kind of forgotten about the week before, they kind of get brought back into the picture the following week. You're going to see, I think, Godwin and, and Evans in particular kind of get their opportunity to shine because I think that they were kind of forgotten about and that usually gets rewarded the following week. Well, and both of them are healthy, too. 
I think it's something that's gotten glossed over the past couple of weeks. Mike Evans was dealing with an injury. Mike Chris Godwin hadn't really been 100% healthy. They all practice in full today. These guys don't practice on Wednesdays. So they have to be good to go if they're going to be practicing on a Wednesday. That's why I have a utmost confidence in them, plus a great matchup. So with Tampa Bay, it's real simple. You're, just, you're playing everybody you have your hands on as of this moment. For Atlanta's side, I think it's simple with Cordell Patterson. You're playing him no matter what. Now, do you fade him a little bit because of the matchup here against Tampa Bay? I did not. I have him at RB12. So I still have him as a low-end RB1. He's the offensive playmaker. I don't know if you can call him a running back. You can't call him a receiver. He's the offensive playmaker. Whether it's getting the most carries on the ground or having to be the wide receiver or just catching the ball in the backfield, whatever the case may be, the offense has to flow through Cordero Patterson. Now, Atlanta as a team, Molly put up two touchdowns in this game, but they both will probably come from Cordero Patterson. Chris, are you fading him at all in this matchup? No, absolutely not. I think that one of the things you've seen all year long for Cordero Patterson doesn't matter how he's involved in the rushing attack. It matters how he's evolved, period. And as a passing guy and repressing receiver, he's had plenty of games where he's had you know, eight or nine carries for maybe 10 or even 12 yards, but still dominated out of the backfield catching the ball. Tampa Bay is definitely a team you can exploit out of the backfield. There's no reason Patterson should be faded in any capacity. One of the few RB1s right now, or borderline RB1s you can throw in your lineup right now. Before I give my ranking on this guy, I want to know out of you, what are you doing with Kyle Pitts? I think that if you're in a situation where you're in a tight end league, you have to play him because you probably have no other options that you really can argue that should be thrown in your lineup that are available in the waivers. But I think otherwise, you're not going to necessarily love playing him. But it's a good matchup, and you got to keep kind of rolling him out there, hoping that one of these days he's going to kind of pop for you. Um, Kyle Pitts is probably their, you know, their most, second most talented player right now offensively for them. And so he kind of flows through Patterson. They hadn't had Patterson healthy, so hopefully maybe that'll help open some things for Pitts. Uh, my, more my problem for them overall is I can't believe this, but Arthur Smith's done a horrible job coaching the offense, and that's more my concern. They just don't really seem to have enough to be able to feed multiple guys offensively. Uh, but Pitts is a guy that you still have to kind of put in your lineup, in my opinion, especially if you're in the tight end league. Yeah, I agree. He is my tight end seven. But I get so many questions every single day. Do I bench Kyle Pitts for... CJ Uzuma, do I bench Kyle Pitts for, you know, Tyler Conklin? Just all these mid-level tight end twos. No, no. It's frustrating as all hell. I can't disagree. The tight end position in general is frustrating. Keep giving me the guy who's getting eight-plus targets on the regular at that position with the talent and athletic ability that he has plus the role on the offense. Eventually, it's going to hit. Is it frustrating to watch all these other tight ends be Jekyll and Hyde and actually maybe give you more top 12 performances than Kyle Pitts has, especially over the past month? Sure. But you, in this case, you got to stick with the process over the results for now because it should it should pay off for you, especially as we go into your fantasy playoffs and Atlanta's schedule gets a little bit easier. So Kyle Pitts is my tight end seven. I'm staying with them through and through. All right, so let's talk about the betting of this game. As you can imagine, Tampa Bay is heavily favored. Uh, they're at minus 11 on the road. The overrunner set at 50. Now, I think that's interesting because Atlanta's offense hasn't been very good. So I think I'm going to take the under in this game. I don't think the Falcons are score that much. The one other thing that's been getting overlooked in this matchup we didn't mention during the fantasy matchups is that Tampa Bay's defense is getting a little healthier and playing a lot better as of late, especially against the pass. They are not the leaking faucets that they were a few weeks ago. They're still not 
you know, great, don't get me wrong, but I think they got enough to be able to hold Atlanta in check. So unless Tampa Bay themselves is dropping 40 in this game, and you know what, that might be possible, I don't know that this game actually hits 50. So I'm leaning towards the under in that in this game. And I'm going to take Tampa Bay to still cover minus 11. I don't think Atlanta scores more than two touchdowns in this game. I got Tampa Bay at 27. 27-14 is my final score. That's why I got them covering at minus 11, but it's still going under at 50. What about you, Chris? I am not with you on the under, um, just because I think that Tampa Bay can score 40. I think actually it's going to be 38-20. The score, I think, is going to be 38-20. I definitely am with you where, you know, I'm, not, I'm usually brave about going to guys – Double-digit scores, but then Tampa Bay is going to run away with this one. This far, far superior team. I expect them to win by double digits. I definitely bet on Tampa. All right. Let's move into the Arizona and Chicago matchup. For personal reasons, I'll start with Chase Evans because that screwed me too. I thought he's going to come back after the bye week. No, 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 no. Cliff Kingsbury says, no, no. He's going to come back next week. Well, that's his expectation, at least. He's going to come back next week for week 14. Now, the problem with that is, just for you guys who are waiting on Chase Edmonds to return, is that this is a Monday night game. So you're going to have to be sure ahead of time that he's going to play or have some sort of pivot option if you're banking on Chase Edmonds coming back for your flex position or your RB2 or whatever the case may be. Obviously, follow us along on social media. We'll keep you up to date throughout the week. But no Chase Edmonds this week, which means James Conner in a nice little match against Chicago here gets to man the backfield all to himself once again. He comes into my RB9. He continues to be an RB1. Chris, I'll get your reaction about James Conner, what your expectation is for him this week. But also, with Chase Evans pending his return next week, do you, in your opinion, think that Chase Evans and James Conner will go back to the roles that they had previously to the Edmonds injury? Or has James Conner played well enough where he's going to be the lead back and maybe Edmonds just takes over the passing down role and that's it? What do you think? So for the James Conner... This week, I think that you're going to continue to see what you've seen the last two weeks. And this guy's had 26 touches the back-to-back weeks. I think you're going to see similar. You're going to see 20 to 25 touches. He's going to be the RB1 you kind of throw in your, your backfield. Chicago is not has not been good against running game this year. It's not the same Chicago defense people are usually used to. You definitely can exploit them with your running backs. James Conner is definitely somebody you want to have in your lineup this week. As for the season progresses, I'm not surprised. I feel like... I thought I believed Chase Smith was supposed to miss this week where I thought he had to be on um, IR for three weeks. So I thought this was going to be the third week. I did expect that he's going to be back. It would be next week. I don't think it's going to change dramatically necessarily from what we saw in the beginning of the season, but I think it might go more for what we kind of saw goal. Maybe, you know, I think it was like three or four where you kind of saw Connor starting to get more kind of carries than you expected in a sense. Edmonds was still kind of feeling his way into that offense. I think you might see that something similar where Edmonds kind of is still going to be sprinkled in there and utilized won't just be a third down back. But I think you're going to see that maybe it's more of a Connor guy who kind of maybe having 55% of the touches, or especially if they get up big, where he's kind of like that workhorse guy that kind of grinds it out as the game progresses. So I kind of see him kind of feeling that Drake role kind of we saw last year. And I see that you're going to see Edmonds kind of be the opposite where he's going to be kind of be more that scat back guy has a chance to have some big plays, but might only get 12 to 15 touches at max. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Connor's going to get 55 to 60% of the carries. He'll still get all the goal line work, obviously. And Chase Edmonds, I think, will get, I think he will get back to that 65, 70% mark that he was at for running back targets on the team. And then Connor gets kind of left by the wayside there, and he'll pick up about 40 to 45% of the carries. That'll still make Jane, uh, Chase Edmonds 
a borderline low-end RB2, high-end RB3 every single week. So you'll be able to contemplate playing him. But it's going to make James Conner more valuable than even what he was, I believe, in the beginning of the part of the season. You just can't throw away the production that he has been able to put up. Now, has been the most efficient in the world, but he gets the job done when they need him to. So I think that's kind of more the point moving forward, what we're kind of interested in. Obviously, for this week, though, you're firing up James Conner with a lot of confidence. Now, as far as the rest of this team goes, Kyler Murray was at practice today. He's been practicing kind of consistently, though, even before the bye. They still won't commit. Still saying he's hopeful. Cliff Kingsbury's hopeful. I got to think he comes back this week because you want to get, I think you want to get him going before you play the Rams on Monday Night Football next week, especially coming out of the bye. At this point, I got to think he's as close to healthy as he's going to be because he's been off for almost a month now. DeAndre Hopkins returns back to practice. So I have Kyler Murray at QB6. I do believe he'll be able to be mobile against Chicago. And I do have DeAndre Hopkins at wide receiver 12. The one thing we saw out of what's going on with the Arizona wide receiver core is that no one guy was really able to step up. And I think with Kyle Murray back, DeAndre Hopkins back, they're going to make a point to get their guns going as they move into this playoff run, as they move into a, you know, fighting for that number one seed overall run and trying to keep space from the ramps. So what's your expectations for a potentially probably returning Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. I like Hopkins a little more than like, I like Kyler Murray. I think there can be some rust in Kyler Murray. Um, and I think that you're going to want to hope that he's going to not just be, you know, a pocket quarterback. We kind of seem trying to become this more. So this year, because against Chicago, it's going to be a little harder for him just to stand in the pocket and make big play after big play. I think he's going to, he wants to be really, you know, be effective. He's going to move, kind of move himself around and be utilizing his, utilizing his legs. So I do have a little concern about Kyler Murray's overall upside this week. I do think that maybe he's a guy you definitely probably have to start if you have him, but he's a guy that you might want to temper expectations because I think they can dominate this game in other ways other than just using Kyler Murray's legs. Um, having said that, I do think they can be able to attack him through the air. I think Hopkins is a, a clear mismatch for this just Bears defense to struggle versus the past most of the season. And I agree with you. I think he's too, obviously the alpha in this passing game when he's out there. Yeah. The only other receiver I have in my top 36 for this team is Christian Kirk. Because he continues operating that slot role. He's been, typically speaking, the second most targeted receiver on that team. And if he, if Hopkins is hindered in any kind of way, Kirk, more times not, is usually the beneficiary of that. So he is a top 36 wide receiver for me. You can contemplate playing him as a wide receiver three if he wants to because of the nice matchup here. And Zach Ertz is top 12 tight end. Comes at number 12 on the dot for me this week, but he is a top 12 tight end. He gets touchdowns. He gets the pass attempts. He gets the usage you want to see out of a tight end that you want to play every single week. Uh, do you agree, disagree with any of that? I agree with most of them. And Christian Kirk, I have struggled with. That, that second receiver, I always kind of struggle with when it comes to Arizona, trusting any of them. But the tight end position becomes the guys that have been more trustable of late. And Ertz is definitely one of those guys who's been on a nice little stretch. And one of the tight ends you can actually kind of hope to get something out of every couple of weeks. Let's move to, before we move to Chicago, i got another question coming in here. Uh, Metcalf, Van Jefferson, I guess AJ Green or Josh Reynolds need to, I want to say sit Metcalf, but I don't know. You can't sit Metcalf. Uh, this is another question I've been getting constantly all the time. I get it. Trust me. I get it. It's been brutal, but he's too good of a player to sit, especially in San Francisco. Who doesn't have corners who can physically match up with him anyway. He's too good of a player to sit. It only takes that one big play, especially over an A.J. Green, Josh Reynolds, whose floor is just as low 
as a DK Metcalf anyway. And then I'm definitely playing Van Jefferson. I like where his usage has been going, where he's been, what his role has been expanding to within that offense anyway. What about you, Chris? Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, I think it's really hard to be able to, you know, bench DK Metcalf, especially when you know they're such a vital part of that offense. Russell Wilson has been absolutely atrocious, and I understand that's kind of concerning. But he's a guy you can't necessarily play, take out of your lap, in my opinion. And I also agree with you, Van Jefferson's a guy I kind of lean towards in that, that situation. I love Josh Reynolds' matchup in reverse the Vikings. That's a guy I think he's kind of a sleeper guy you kind of put out there. But I think that's a guy that you talked about has just a, you know, a much of a, of a floor and maybe not as a great upside as DK Metcalf. And when you look at A.J. Green, A.J. Green might get you some catches or you know, some do something. But for the most part, he hasn't been anything knocking, you know, win a game for you, I should say, especially during this stretch. So for me, I'm going for the upside. I'm going DK Metcalf. All right, let's do things over to Chicago. So Andy Dalton's probably going to play again. Justin Fields, he was out there practicing a limited capacity. Red Rocket. But, but the Red Rocket took all the first team uh, reps today. They want Justin Fields to come back easily with the cracked ribs. Honestly, I think it's more Matt Nagy's finding a reason to get his wish, which is he wanted to play Andy Dalton the entire time, was forced out of being able to play Justin Fields, and now he can hide behind the, well, I want Justin Fields to be 100% healthy when he comes back so he can go back to playing Andy Dalton in some delusional hope that maybe it wins his job back if he's able to string enough, enough wins together. I don't know. But here's what I will say. With Andy Dalton in there, I do have more confidence in, let's say, Darnell Mooney. Because Allen Robinson's still not practicing. I think if I'm Allen Robinson, I'm finding every reason to book to make this hamstring injury last all season long. I don't know if we see him again this year unless they force him out there. So I think Darnell Mooney's going to be out there, and he is a must-play wide receiver, too, for me. I have him in the top 20, and the only reason is because Arizona's been pretty good against wide receivers this year. That's why he's a little bit lower. I think more times than not, I'm going to have him at wide receiver 15. Why? Because he is now suddenly reaching to a point where he's going to get double-digit targets just about every single week, the way this offense is constituted. With Andy Dalton out there, I actually like him throwing the ball more than Justin Fields right now. So, Chris, where are you at Darnell Mooney this week and moving forward now? Yeah, I think you make a great point. As long as you have Andy Dalton as the quarterback, I think Darnell Mooney is a guy you can put in your lineup in with pretty much confidence. I mean, anything offensively with Chicago, you can't do with a whole lot of confidence as much as you possibly can. Um, I think Darnell Mooney is a guy that you obviously see has become their, their their passing game that they've built their passing game around. Andy Dalton definitely looks for him consistently. They don't seem to be able to game plan for any other second receiver in the offense as it is. As you pointed out, I think Al Robinson basically his days are numbered. And I think Cole Clement's still a guy who's kind of finding his way in the offense and leaves Darnell Mooney as the obvious guy that week in, week out is kind of their, their go-to guy. Yeah, Cole Komet, by the way, is still a sleeper streamable tight end for me, but I don't quite have him in that top 18 area, which is about where I have my tight end cutoff as streams for the week. Does he have the potential to get double-digit targets like he did last week against Detroit? Yeah, sure, that's there, but it's not consistent enough yet where there are other guys who've been a bit more consistent that I'd rather go stream than a Cole Komet. Just mentioning that name there. The only other player you care about from a fantasy standpoint with Chicago is David Montgomery. 
another guy who's been maddening, but at least in his case, the usage has been there, even though the productivity hasn't always. So I think this thing will break. I do believe Dave Montgomery is a good player. As long as he's utilizing the way that he has been, it'll be sooner rather than not that Dave Montgomery will be back to that low-end RB1, high-end RB2. In this matchup is Arizona. I do have him to RB15. Keep in mind, the Cardinals have now slipped to the bottom 15 of defenses against the run since J.J. Watt has gone down. So it's not the same run defense you saw earlier on in the season. Chris, does David Montgomery get back on track? Again, I got him at RB15 this week. I mean, on paper, he should have, because as you talked about, this Arizona defense is not trending the right way, stopping the run. You can definitely use them. The one thing I'm concerned about, and it seems to be different for Chicago, is they don't seem as committed to the run as they were for that spurt where you, you saw Herbert have that kind of nice back-to-back stretch. He, he was getting, they were just committed to running the ball and making sure that they were doing it different ways. One of the things they're kind of getting lazy again was their baby Montgomery gets to get the first down carry and run right up the middle for no reason for, you know, second and nine. And I, that's my only concern about his productivity becoming getting back to what we kind of wanted to be was if they're going to keep doing that and having Dalton become more of a throwing, throwing you know, on second and nine and becoming more of a pass-oriented team they're kind of drifting towards than Dalton as a quarterback. I have concerns that Matt Nagy starts kind of sticking his hands back in his offense and starts screwing the situation up a little too much. So I do hope that he can get back on track. I think this is a key game to see what you can kind of trust moving forward into the playoffs. But this is a game that you can't be guaranteed that you're going to get what you want out of David Montgomery. Good old Matt Nagy, how we hate you. Uh, let's talk about betting this game. Arizona favored on the road at minus 7.5 going into Chicago. But that's not what I'm interested in. I'm interested in the over-under. The over-under set at 45 and a half. I think there's going to be, this is going to be a sneaky, higher-scoring game. Here's the key about Arizona, especially if Kyler Murray is back in the lineup. They're an up-tempo offense, and they typically will force whoever they're playing to be more up-tempo than they're used to being as well. And as I said, I do think the Bears' offense is good enough to at least put up some points here. I got this game going for 50, so give me the over at 45 and a half. Yeah, so this game we kind of talked about, I, I kind of trashed Chicago's defense during the whole time, but I actually think this is going to be an ugly game. And I think that Chicago yeah. actually matches up pretty good with Arizona, so I don't want to touch this game, and I'm not going, like not going in the over. All right, we'll have to see what happens there. Let's take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we still got more games to preview for you guys. Again, the early slates of Week 13. So stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. MD Nation, we want to welcome in a new sponsor of the show called Props Fantasy from PropsFantasy.com. Props Fantasy is a website and app which allows users to import their season-long fantasy teams to challenge other season-long fantasy teams. Their crucial difference is that you can challenge other teams that you are not playing in your league that week or aren't even in your league or not even on the same platform. The idea behind Props Fantasy is to let casual season-long fantasy players use the teams they already have to engage in daily fantasy-type contests for winnings. Users can wager anything from $1 up to $1,000 on a head-to-head challenge. Props Fantasy even harmonizes the scoring. 
If you're in a PPR league and your opponent is not, Props Fantasy will default to a half-point PPR, or you can manually adjust it. They also handle things like standard lineup versus super flex. Their developers are fantasy football diehards and have thought of everything, including IDP. So if you think your season-long team is not just the best in your league, but the best in all leagues, this is your chance to find out and win money when you sign up for the Props Fantasy app today at PropsFantasy.com. So join in on the fun. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back in MD Nation to the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at BillyUpMDFF Show. And always subscribe to the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel. Make sure you're downloading and following us along on your favorite pod streaming app. We're available to you pretty much everywhere. And we're available to you now on Amazon Fire TV. Just look up for the MD's Fantasy Football Show app. Download us and you will never miss an episode. I'm your host, Dan Mater, joined here with Chris Dowhauer. We previewed the Thursday night game. We're previewing all the early slate games for week 13. So let's continue on with that, Chris. Let's talk about the Chargers and the Cincinnati Bengals. This game could be a lot of fun, but I don't think it will be because both of these teams offensively lately have been letting me down, especially with the play calling. Both these teams used to be up-tempo. Now they're like, eh, middle of the pack. Both these teams used to be explosive. Now they do nothing but run the football. But we still got a lot of fantasy assets we have to talk about on both sides. So let's start off with the Chargers. Justin Herbert, who's been one of the most maddening quarterbacks when it comes to fantasy football this year, one of the most inconsistent of all. But I still have him as a QB 10. It's hard to bench this guy. The one thing I will give him is over the past couple of weeks, Justin Herbert has been using his legs more. So now he's kind of had like a three, four point boost to his floor over the past few weeks. Hopefully that's here to stay. But where are you at on Justin Herbert going into Cincinnati? Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I think he's a top 10 quarterback, but I think he's one of those guys that has been maddening where you think that you should get more than you usually get some weeks. Um, He's been kind of all over the place. And then a lot of games, it depends on the matchups. When they see certain defenses, he's able to excel. When they see other defenses, he doesn't. He kind of struggles, particularly against defenses with man defense you've seen this year. So I think that's one thing you're going to kind of hope, you know, kind of be curious to see. Cincinnati played really well last week defensively. Will they kind of continue that trend? Or is, you know, the Chargers be able to kind of travel to Cincinnati and be able to bring the offense with them? I tend to think Justin Herbert's a guy that should be out of a pretty good week. That I agree with, I agree with you that the play calling, or especially the speed of the game, is going to be a struggle for both sides, particularly Cincinnati, who loves to slow it down. It's like you're like Green Bay Juniors right now. Cracks me up. <laughs> um, but they just really love to kind of just grind it out in offense. So that has some concerns, but I think overall Justin Herbert's still a guy that you can feel confident having your lineup this week. I mean, you definitely feel co- comfortable with Austin Eckler. That's without a doubt, because he just gets the job done one way or another. Even if he doesn't have an efficient ground game, he always gets into the passing game. So Austin Eckler coming as my RB2. We don't really have to talk about him. Let's just get this over with. I feel like we have to talk about this guy every week because there's always a, a conversation every single week surrounding this particular player. Of course, I'm talking about Mike Williams. So he's wide receiver 25 for me, which puts him in that low-end wide receiver 2, high-end wide receiver 3 territory. Other than the one game he had two weeks ago, his stat lines have been mediocre at best, single digits most of the time. They have gone back to getting him more underneath routes the past three weeks, but again, it's only resulted in one good game that came on a bomb at the end of the game. So 
are we just done with Mike Williams as being anything more than a wide receiver three that you're hoping for a big play and or a touchdown out of? I mean, I think that you can definitely make the argument that that's all you're going to get as a receiver three and the guy that you're just kind of praying for a touchdown. But I think it's also a guy that can give you more than that. And I think that, you know, we talked about guys you kind of just keep throwing in your lineups, like a Kyle Pitts and the struggles he's kind of endured. Then Mike Williams, there's not a whole lot of better options that you can put in your lineup over Mike Williams. I don't know if you're going to find someone on the waivers you can just plug in that's going to be better, or you're going to find a guy on your roster so it's going to be better. So Mike Williams isn't a guy that I think is necessarily going to you know win you know week every week in week out for you or be that receiver one that you were kind of getting in the beginning of the season. But I do like what you kind of saw last week was he is there is an effort to try to get him more involved. There's been a lot of talk about getting him more involved, including from Keenan Allen saying that he's important in our offense and he needs to kind of be more utilized and just that kind of big play guy. And I hope that offense kind of gets back on track. I think the more scrutiny kind of faces, the better chances you have Mike Williams kind of gets back on track as a result of it. Um, anytime your coach has to come out and kind of back the offensive coordinator, as like recently has for Lombardi getting kind of the, the, the kudos, so to speak, they you no know, doubt about him losing his job or doing not doing a good job. But I think as a result, you're going to see this guy kind of make sure he's kind of on the piece and cues. That Mike Williams is a key part for their offense, particularly going into the playoffs, so they want to have aspirations to advance there. They're going to need this guy being involved. And I think a lot of teams are kind of letting them have Austin Eckler right now. I wonder if that doesn't become something that you're going to see him be more of a focus for teams to take away. And as a result, Mike Williams kind of gets back on track as a result too. Possibly. And we, had, we have a commenter, Dan, saying Williams is a bum. I definitely don't agree with that. Williams is definitely not a bum. But it is maddening, and it's not necessarily his fault. Because what we've seen, here's the big difference we saw at the beginning of the season to now. They were an up-tempo offense at the beginning of the season. That's number one. They were using him as a 1A, 1B to Keenan Allen. What's changed from that is the targets have shifted to the tight end position. To the tight end position. Not the Jared Cook, but the tight end position. We've seen those targets kind of get taken away from Mike Williams in that role. That's what's changed overall in this offense. And therefore, as a result... And Eckler. Because you didn't see Eckler getting involved in the passing targets. Eckler was still getting about six to seven targets earlier on the season as well. Maybe the first two weeks, but like weeks three, four, five, when Mike Williams... But Mike Williams is big weeks. He wasn't getting those targets is what I'm getting at. I implore you to look up weeks... uh, I think it was three, four... And six. I know Mike Williams had a, a dud game in there, but those weeks he went off for 100 yards and two touchdowns. Eckler still wound up with six, seven targets. Eckler's not the issue. The issue is the is the down speed and the up tempo, and the fact that the tight ends have now gotten more involved as a unit in the targets. That's been the bigger issue. We'll see if that changes because you're right. There has been a lot of talk, a lot of attention put on the idea that they need to get Mike Williams back involved. For now. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. What you have to do is just put in your mind 
for the rest of the season. He is not going to go back to his wide receiver one days that he was earlier in the season. That's not going to happen. He is a boomer bust wide receiver three, more towards the higher end of that wide receiver three that you can't utilize. And to your point, there aren't too many guys you're going to pick up who are definitely better than him. But if you want to play him based off a matchup, that's where I would be at. Now, I typically won't talk about too much about Keenan Allen because he's a plug and play for me every week, no matter what, because of his usage. But this particular week, I do have him at wide receiver four. I got him as a top five wide receiver. His volume has been insane. But you look at the slot receivers, the guys who are interchangeable against the Cincinnati Bengals. They dominate. They absolutely dominate. So Keenan Allen, top five for me this week. I think there's a great chance it goes over 100 yards. Even the game is an opportunity for a touchdown. We don't always get to see out of him in a game that could be high scoring if both these offenses start to click. But what do you think about Keenan Allen and his upside this week? I mean, I like Keon for sure, but I definitely was a top five guy. I do have concerns with the top touchdown production, but I think everything else, the floor you talked about is definitely a guarantee. He's going to be heavily involved in the offense, and you're going to get you know, receptions out of this guy. This is always that upside that I kind of have some questions about, so I wouldn't have him necessarily in my top five, but I think if you have him on it, definitely playing him. So on the flip side, we talk about the Cincinnati Bengals, and Joe Burrow kind of falls in that category with Justin Herbert with inconsistent quarterbacks who've been maddening, but typically speaking, I find myself ranking them within my top 12. It's no different this week. Burrow comes in a QB 12 for me. Now, here's the funny thing about the Chargers. They're one of the worst matchups to have for wide receivers, but quarterbacks always find a way to do well against them. Now, typically it's because they wind up spraying the ball out, so no one wide receiver really has a great game, but the quarterback has a decent overall game in this one. I don't think they're going to be able to get away with Mixon just running the ball 30 times to win this game. The Chargers do have enough firepower. Where I think they'll have to keep this thing close. So Burrow does come as a QB 12 for me. I do think you can plug and play him this week against the Chargers, especially at home. Yeah, in honor of Chaz, I was pointing out the Chargers show up and they give you 27 points. So as a right. result, there's going to be some points that are there to be had. And I think as a result, you definitely can kind of trust Joe Burrow, some of the passing guys. I talked about this you know, yesterday's show on, on BFUFL. And I kind of mentioned, you know, the concern is it going to be just Joe Mixon, kind of the only guy who kind of eats in this game. But I think while it kind of looks like that way on paper, it shouldn't pan out that way because I do agree with you, the Chargers are going to score points and the Cincinnati's are going to just run the ball you know, all the time. This is in Pittsburgh. They will have success running the ball, though. And Joe oh, Mixon yeah. comes in my RB3 as a result to that this week. He's getting fed like crazy. I found myself laughing a couple of days ago, though, because, you know, we I talk amongst all the fantasy experts in the industry, and there were some that were talking about the idea that they're actually worried about Joe Mixon because he's not getting utilized in the passing game in certain situations the way you'd want him to. And all I could think to myself is the guy had 32 touches last week. I don't really care. So <laughs> he's been running the ball like crazy. He's been very, very successful, too. They're not going to come off of that. They have found something with this. They've been winning since they've been giving the ball to Joe Mixon plus 20 times. That's not going to stop here. He finds a way this, we talk about James Conner all the time. Mixon's not that far behind him when it comes to the touchdowns. He has been scoring relentlessly, especially over the past few weeks. The Chargers haven't been able to stop anybody on the ground. Love Joe Mixon this week. Not that you need any more reasons to play him with his performances as of late, but I love Joe Mixon this week as a top three guy. That's neither here nor there though. Let's talk about these wide receivers. So Jamar Chase is another name in a list of receivers that have been disappointing from what they were in the beginning half of the season. Now, obviously, you're going to play him, but he does come in at wide receiver 13 for me. I think this is the first week in a while that I've had him outside my top 12. 
You don't like the matchup against a healthy Los Angeles Chargers secondary. And here's the other key point to this. There's a reason why we saw T. Higgins go off last week and it wasn't Jamar Chase. They flipped roles in the offense. Now, I don't know if it's here to stay or not, but Jamar Chase was running more intermediate, shorter routes, and they let T. Higgins be the man who goes down the field. That's why I wound up with the 100 yards of the touchdown and wound up with the big play there. Chris, do you think that's something that's going to continue? Was that just a game script for that game last week? And do you have any concerns about Jamar Chase cooling off as we go into the fantasy playoffs? No, well, Jamar Chase cooling off, I think, is kind of reality of just people have to kind of keep in mind when it comes to the receivers. And just when you talked about the quarterbacks kind of being all over the place, most players this year have been all over the place in general. Very few Jonathan Taylor or Cooper Cups are able to put in your lineup week in, week out, and get what you think you're going to get. So I think one of these, when it comes to Jamar Chase, you're getting teams basically, as you know, some of the coaches have talked about, reacting to him. They're going to make a game plan to actually make sure that he's not a guy who's going to beat you, particularly on the big plays. So you're kind of seeing that counter to that, and you're seeing some other guys get opportunities, and you're seeing Joe Mixon actually be a huge beneficiary of that because the safeties are staying out of the box, which allows Joe Mixon to kind of eat. I think you're going to see a natural reaction, just like how football usually occurs, where Joe Mixon keeps continuing to run the ball the way he is. Jamar Chase is going to see more single coverage, and therefore he's going to kind of get back on track where he was doing before. I don't necessarily worry about the role between switching, who's going deep and who's staying short. You kind of saw this similar to me. Don't forget Zach Taylor comes from the Rams' background. You see this kind of happen with the Rams where the team kind of switches roles with certain players and who they're featuring. It's basically, basically what the defense gives you. You find the mismatch, you take advantage of it, whether that's short or deep, and you kind of exploit it. So I think that's going to be something Jamar Chase's guys definitely want to still start. You have a little bit concerned. Are you going to get what you were getting, you know, maybe five, six weeks ago? Probably not. But you're also going to get a guy who probably is going to be arguably in re- week in, week out as arguably a receiver one that you can put in your lineup. And there's not too many guys, like I said, that you can really beat that. And the upside is definitely still going to be there, even this week. But the Chargers have started to kind of been showing some vulnerability in the passing um, against the pass, I should say, where some of these teams have been able to kind of move the ball through the air as of late. So the Vikings be able to do so. So Jefferson Jefferson had a big game. So this is something I think that you can't necessarily forget about. Cincinnati should be able to kind of move the ball through the air as well. Yeah, I don't look. Better days are ahead for Jamar Chase. But I would lower my expectations a bit this particular week, just to kind of give an FYI. T. Higgins, by the way, wide receiver 24. The usage has been there. We saw him finally have his big game last week. He is going to always be a wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three for me that I'm consistently plugging and playing in my lineup just because of the usage he gets out of this team every single week. Tyler Boyd is is been off my radar. He stays off my radar. I don't have him in the top 36. I probably will never have him in a top 36 because I want guys with more upside, more excitement in their game than a Tyler Boyd. Chris, let's talk about betting in this game. It's a close one. It's in Cincinnati, so Los Angeles going on the road. They're not as good on the road, but it's a minus three stat line for Cincinnati and over under set at 50 and a half. So Vegas is seeing what we're seeing. They're seeing the possibility of a high scoring game. I'm going to have to say no contest. I don't have a good feeling one way or the other, but where are you at? I'm 100% with you. This is a game that I absolutely will not and cannot touch. These are two <laughs> teams that I don't trust at all. You can't trust Cincinnati to do anything you expect them to do this entire season. Every time they turn their corner, they don't. And the Chargers are the Chargers, where every time you think you figure the Chargers out, you're sadly mistaken. All right, so let's talk about Minnesota and the Detroit matchup. And Dalvin Cook, just another name in a long line of RB1s that you drafted that are just going to be getting hurt 
and disappointing you and putting you in a tough position. Now, hopefully, you had been listening to the MD Saints Football Show waiver wire report for the past, I don't know, six weeks now, where Alexander Madison has been on it every single week to avoid this exact problem of, uh-oh, now I got to fight for everybody to go get Alexander Madison. He was too widely available. That's not going to be the case anymore. The good news is, if you did listen, if you're an MD Nation, you did listen to me, uh, you have Madison on your team right now. And what we've seen this year and the other two games where he's had to take over is a guy who can also be an RB1 in Dalvin Cook's stead. It's one of the few situations where the handcuff is not just a one-for-one handcuff, but is actually talented and explosive in their own right. So we don't have any worries about Alexander Madison. And in fact, against Detroit, he's my RB4 this week. Yeah, I mean, is a guy that you that's against Detroit, you're excited to have him as your RB guy. And so if you can plug him in your lineup, you have you're lucky enough to have added him by listening to you, like you talked about, or he got him waivers recently. Then congratulations to you because you have you're pretty much an, a guaranteed RB one to throw in your lineup this week. Now to give you guys a quick update on the Dalvin Cook situation, this is how they want to play it out. He dislocated his shoulder and tore his other labrum. How they're even contemplating bringing this guy back, I don't know. I, I don't know what you're supposed to do on on two no shoulders as a running back. But the idea is this: he's gonna play. He's gonna miss the next two weeks. So he's not going to go in the IR. They'll reassess. So come week 15, basically come your first round, your playoffs. That's when we're going to find out one way or another. Are we going to get Dalvin Cook back during the fantasy football playoffs or not? But that's the earliest you could possibly hope for. Maybe they do. Maybe they tough it out. Maybe they're in a desperate enough situation trying to make the postseason at that point where they try to find a way. If he does come back, you're going to play Dalvin Cook. But that is the best case scenario that you could possibly hope for out of Dalvin right now. All that pretty much to say, don't drop him, but make sure you have other plans for the fantasy playoffs. If you were not able to wind up with Alexander Madison, don't count on Dalvin Cook coming back. Just to kind of give you guys an update on that. Kirk Cousins talked about him. He's actually my QB 11. I made a mistake earlier. I said he's my QB 14. He's not. He's my QB 11. So I would play Kirk Cousins. Makes that top 12, playing against Detroit. The good thing with him is that the big play's been there. And as a result, Justin Jefferson's been eating and Adam Thielen's been getting back into the end zone after he went through a dry spell there for a while. You play everybody against Detroit when you're Minnesota. That That's for sure. And it's on the road, which in a weird way, you kind of like the Vikings offense all that more. So Justin Jefferson, my wide receiver three. Adam Thielen, my wide receiver 14. It's the highest I've had him ranked in a while Chris, are you? Are, you know you're playing the receivers. You know you're playing a running back. Are you playing Kirk Cousins? Yeah, I think that if you have the option to do so, and you don't have anybody who's clearly a better option, then I think Kirk Cousins is a guy that you can feel like you know, you know, arguably one of the better quarterbacks you can put him on this week. Great, fantastic matchup versus Detroit. Their defense is atrocious. They can't get a pass rush. They're definitely not a defense. They like to move the pace on offense, so it gives you a chance to get the ball back even more. And the best thing for I think for Kirk Cousins and Minnesota's offense in general, especially the receivers. You get kind of Mike Zimmer's blessing that Justin Jefferson needs to get the ball more. So as a result, they're not being asked to run the ball all the time. Justin Jefferson's allowed to get the ball. It means everybody's kind of beat off that in the passing game. And I think all those guys are kind of benefiting as of late as a result of it. So Tyler Conklin, by the way, comes at tight end 16. So he is a streaming tight end available, but doesn't have quite the upside you're necessarily looking for. Sometimes he's involved in the offense and sometimes he's not. It's just kind of one of the things that breaks down. It's either him or KJ Osborne. So, do that at your own risk, depending upon what's available to you. Let's put things over to Detroit. 
So DeAndre Swift didn't practice today. The expectation is he'll miss this week. There were some reports about that he may miss several weeks or at least a few weeks, we should say. But the Lions keep listing him as day-to-day. So I don't expect him to miss this week, but I do think there's a chance he comes back in week 14. From what I understand from people in Detroit, not necessarily everywhere else, but in Detroit, the idea is that he will not miss more than two weeks. And they will not shut him down. Because at this point, you have to start thinking about that. Dan Campbell is still apparently so hell-bent on trying to change the culture, even though they haven't gotten a win yet, and trying to get that first win as a head coach, that they are going to bring back DeAndre Swift if he is ready to go, regardless of that. So, Chris, what are your thoughts on that, first of all? Is that the smart thing for them to do? Should they do it? We know Swift wants to come back, but he's the player. Of course he wants to come back. And when do you think... Do you think people should keep holding on to Swift? Do you think he will be back at some point this season? Yeah, I mean, I think you definitely hold on to him for now, and I think that you kind of take him at their word, and you're hoping you're getting it back in two weeks. Having said that, I think that watching the injury and kind of seeing the kind of player that he is, I don't think that you're necessarily a guy that you want to rush back into your lineups or trust that they're going to want to rush back into lineups. I think there's a lot of things Dan Campbell wants to do. I think it's going to be a big push personally what he wants to have accomplished. And I think that we've seen this happen in other situations where coaches want to kind of keep their jobs and they want to make sure they kind of establish something. The general manager has other thoughts on that situation. Sometimes they kind of trump certain things. Um, I think we saw something kind of similar play out with, you know, Joe Mixon last year in Cincinnati. Cincinnati wanted to be good. Zach Taylor knew he needed to kind of win games, but they kind of were fairly patient with Joe Mixon. I wonder if Detroit doesn't err on the side of caution as the season kind of progresses and maybe people kind of have a realization that, you know, as important as it is to get a win, that it's not necessarily smart to jeopardize next year with a what kind of player that you have in DeAndre Swift. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, team ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. We'll see. I think because it's only a minor AC joint sprain, I do think he's definitely going to come back this season. I don't think they're going to worry about too much. If it was a leg or a knee or an ankle, I think it'd be a different scenario because it's an AC joint shoulder sprain. I think he will be back there at some point. For now, though, it means Jamal Williams gets to step in. Now, he's my RB18 this week. The good thing about Jamal Williams, we've seen him in this predicament before where he gets to be the running back who gets all the work. It's not going to be flashy. It's not going to be exciting to watch. But this is a guy who steadily gains yards whenever he touches the ball. We know he can catch the ball out of the backfield. They trust him in pass protection. He's going to be that prototypical handcuff running back who steps in and gets 20-plus touches in a game because he's the only one left there. He gets all the workload, and he's a solidified RB2 in this week against the Minnesota Vikings. 
Yeah, we just saw those Mark Ingram in the Saints. It's basically where you repeated thing. that. Outside of that, TJ Hawkinson is still a top 10 tight end. He's my tight end nine. You have to keep plugging and playing him. Chris, I like what you said about Josh Reynolds. He's a sleeper guy. He is well outside my top 36. But then we saw a little bit of it last week against the Bears where golf was starting to look for him. We have seen one wide receiver be fantasy relevant at times for Detroit. Here's my one problem, though, and this is why I don't know if I'm going to even bother with a Josh Reynolds, especially if I have other options available to me. But Jared Goff played one of his best games we've seen in a while against Chicago and still went for like 170 yards. So I don't know how much you can, how much upside you can have with a Josh Reynolds, but there's one guy I'm going to try to take a shot on. It probably would be him. I don't know if you want to elaborate at all. Yeah, I think for myself, why I think there's worth taking a shot is you've seen kind of guys throughout the season get opportunities to be that receiver one for Detroit. You saw early in the season was kind of Cephas kind of tried to be that guy, but they got hurt. And you saw Raymond kind of have a streak where he was kind of that guy. You saw a stretch where they're trying to make St. Brown that guy. And I think ultimately Josh Reynolds is probably the most talented guy with all of those guys are trying to make that guy for this season. And a guy that has a rapport with Josh, with golf back in, you know, LA days. And I think that's one thing that you kind of saw pan out right off the bat. I think that you're going to continue to see that golf is trust. Golf trusts him. Golf knows where he's going to be. And while he's not going to necessarily be super aggressive all the time, he is the guy that he's more willing, more willing to be aggressive to, too. So I think you put all those things kind of factors together. You have a guy who has a little bit of a floor, and a guy who has some upside, and an offense that basically has Hawkinson and one other receiver that you can probably feature. You can throw a buck 70, and as long as you get those two guys the ball, you should still be okay. As far as betting on this game goes, Minnesota is minus seven on the road. We got some, a lot of heavy road favorites this week. Against Detroit, the over-under set at 46 and a half. Now, the smart betting data money would tell you to bet Detroit plus seven because they've been keeping every single game within a touchdown over the past month. But I'm going to tell you to do the opposite. I'm going to tell you to take Minnesota minus seven here. I think Minnesota goes in Detroit and takes care of business. They've got the bus kicked by San Francisco last week. They're still hanging on to that seventh seed. But here's the thing. And this is weird to me, and I had to look this up. But this season, and it's just this season, obviously, but when Alexander Madison has played, they have been a more efficient and put up more points as an offense. Not saying that he's better than Dalvin Cook. He's definitely not. But they have tended to put up more points on offense because they tend to take more shots off of play action with Alexander Madison back there, allowing Kirk Cousins to kind of throw the ball around a little bit more. I am expecting Minnesota to cover this by more than a touchdown. So give me Minnesota minus seven in this game. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Minnesota is a more talented team. I know that their defense is banged up right now, but they still have some fight. I think they're definitely going to be able to cover. I think without DeAndre Swift, you just have no concern about Detroit hitting a big play whatsoever. I think that's also part of it. Uh, Let's keep this thing rolling to our next matchup, which is the Denver Broncos, the Kansas City Chiefs. So the Chiefs are coming off the bye. Can they put this thing together? Can they finally flip that switch? We thought they flipped it against the Raiders, came back the following week. They look like the same old Chiefs they have been this entire season, which is very unfortunate. Broncos team has been playing better as of late. Having said all that, and you know what? Maybe maybe I'm insane, right? Because the (laughs) definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Maybe I am insane. But I'm going to put Patrick Mahomes as my QB3, on the week, and I'm going to hope that they flip that switch in Kansas City. 
But where, where are you at, Chris? Yeah, I can't. I definitely understand where you're coming from. I, I talked about this with Adam yesterday on BFL, and I was just explaining that, you know, when it comes to this game, I'm going to hold my nose and I'm going to imagine that this year hasn't been how what it has been the whole season. And logic will finally win out, and both these teams' offenses will actually show up like they're supposed to, particularly the Kansas City Chiefs. Andy Reid usually does well off a bye. Andy Reid usually makes adjustments. And this Denver defense, while it has looked good over the last few weeks, don't forget how horrible they were against that uh, Cleveland Browns offense with Case Keenum and how easy they were to kind of move the ball. I don't think they're that far from that team. I don't think just getting rid of Von Miller suddenly makes them a great defense somehow. So I think Denver's defense is kind of playing a little bit over, over their heads in some senses and kind of rally check kind of kicking in. And I hope that the Chiefs do, and Patrick Mahomes in particular, does return to what he's supposed to be this week. I do have Tyreek Hills by wide receiver too. I will note, though, him and Miko Harmon both did not practice today. It's a little odd they're not practicing the first day coming out of a bye week, but I didn't get any sense that anybody seemed to be too overly concerned about their availability this upcoming week. So a little weird they didn't practice today coming out of the bye, but no reason to be alarmed as of yet. Tyree Kill, my wide receiver too. Travis Kelsey, the tight end one. You still play these guys, even with Mahomes struggling, their usage has been insane, and they've still been able to get theirs. The real conversation to have is Clyde Edwards-Elaire. Now, he got more of the work than we were expecting his first week back, but I should say more of the actual touches. Snap-wise, he was still favoring Darrell Williams. And route run, it was still favoring Darrell Williams. Now, this should flip back to Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Have they learned a lesson here? Are they going to allow Clyde Edwards-Alaire to be utilized the way Darrell Williams was? Because they didn't utilize them the same way. They allowed Williams to be more involved in the passing game. Do they do that with Clyde Edwards-Alaire? Now, touches-wise, as a starting running back at Kansas City, CEH is RB23 for me. You're playing him as an RB2, you're starting him. But can he right the ship from the abysmalness that he was as a fantasy football player earlier on the season this week? Yeah, I mean, well, he wasn't totally abysmal, but I I understand what you're trying to get at. I think that you are concerned about that he's not going to have the kind of production you're looking for, and he's not going to be able to do that Williams role in the sense where Williams has gotten kind of the guy of all three phases of the offense. I think you're going to continue to see them being splitting touches. I think Williams is going to continue to be the guy who's used pass protection. So you're going to see him have a, a role in third downs. I do have concerns about Edwards Hilaire being kind of involved as much as you would like him in the passing game. But I do think he's going to clearly be the running back who's going to get the most touches week in, week out, though. I think it's going to be around 15 touches. I think you're going to get, ever get 25 touches probably out of him unless Andy Reid really gets smart. But more than likely, I think you're going to see basically him getting his about 15 touches, whether that's through running, just running the ball or passing. It's not going to really matter. It's going to be kind of game flow type of thing. And I think that's what you're going to kind of see moving forward with Williams getting maybe a 10 touches. That's so why I think within the confines of his offense, he's still an RB2, but I do have Darrell Williams as my RB35. So he will be in that RB3 flex conversation for me this week because I do think he holds on, more importantly, to the red zone goal line role. Uh, but let's go to Denver real quick. So last week, I actually had Melvin Gordon at RB21, Javante Williams at RB22. I have that flipped. I got Gordon at 22, Williams at 21 this week. The point is this. It really doesn't matter. They're both low-end RB2s. You're playing both of them. Melvin Gordon did not practice today, but the expectation is he's going to play. He's going to be okay. He got banged up early in that game. He came back. He wound up still getting 17 carries. It doesn't matter. 
here's the key for the, those two. Their floor, and the reason why I don't have them you know, ranked as high in RB3s, low in RB2s anymore, I have them solidify as RB2s, their floor has been boosted because the Broncos have decided that their offense is best when it's just led through their two running backs first and then everybody else. As a result of that, the receivers have been suffering. You're getting compounded by a couple things. You're getting compounded by Denver just turning things over to their running game as the focal point of their offense. But then also, you're dealing with Teddy Bridgewater as a quarterback who spreads it out to everyone. Okay, and that's not going to change. So as a result of this, even against the Kansas City Chiefs, although their defense has been better as of late, I got Judy's a wide receiver 28. I got Cortland Sutton as a wide receiver 34. I don't think you're excited about either one of them, but they do have floors in a match against Kansas City that could turn into a high-scoring game if Kansas City comes out with the offense that we all know that they're capable of. Are you playing any of their wide receivers with confidence? I don't know how confidently you're playing them, but I think you can have some options to play some of them because, like as you said, you know this is exploitable defense. The Chiefs defense has been playing better as of late, but more than likely this game should be points be scored to both sides. I think that Denver, even though they you know have kind of been featuring the running game, do like the receivers that they have, and they're going to be able to kind of utilize them a bit more. So I think you can start maybe one or two of those guys. How confident or excited you are, I definitely could see that you're not super excited or the confident, but I think the upside is just something that you can definitely try to, you know, get yourself into, involved with. So if you want to throw one of the Judy out or a Sutton into your lineup, hoping for the upside, I definitely understand. And I'm not playing no fan. The ball gets spread out. Again, the ball gets spread out way too much. He's always been a Jekyll and Hyde guy. And the big play with Bridgewater is flat out not there, not to mention the other caveat, which is Albert O., has been very involved and kind of been a platoon situation with Noah Fant. So Noah Fant comes at a tight end 14 for me, so he's in a streaming territory, but he's not somebody I want to play. Yeah, 100% agree. I think at max you can maybe play two pass catchers out of this offense. You're never going to be able to play three. And Noah Fant's been that guy. I've been on this you know, for the last year or so. This guy, every week, weekend, we feel people want Noah Fant to be something great, and he's never going to get it, particularly when that team's healthy. Um, when they're all their guys, their playmakers are all healthy. And, you know, they have basically ever better than Hamler right now. They're not going to use Noah Fant like you want them to, and you're going to see Albert O continue to be involved this, in the tight end position as well. This this line right now is set at minus ten in favor of Kansas City. Over under set at forty seven. Give me Denver plus ten. I don't think this game is going to be a blowout. I think Denver will keep this game close enough, at least within two scores. So I, I feel pretty good about saying, give me Denver plus ten. I might even call it a lock bet of the week. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I don't have a lot better week for myself, but I definitely think that there's no reason the Chiefs should be favored by double digits in this game. All right, what we're going to do is we'll take one more quick break. When we come back on the other side, we'll finish up with our match previews for today's show. And, of course, we have the mailbag statement for you guys. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. This holiday season, I'm giving thanks to our friends at Manscaped. Do I tell my extended family that I have the Performance Package 4.0 from the global leaders and below the waist grooming, not to mention it includes their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer to tame my bush and score brownie points with the in-laws. Every in-laws dream. Gift your manscape or the man in your life who needs it. Though join the four million men worldwide who trust Manscape with 20% off and free shipping with the promo code Belly of Fantasy by going to manscape.com. 
think your holiday spread is good, it's time to give thanks to the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0, or as I like to call it, the perfect package for your package. Inside, you'll find our lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear and hair nose trimmer, crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. Think of it as a cornucopia for your balls. That's 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com. Be thankful this holiday season for the best gift of all from Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at Show, And, of course, subscribe to the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel. Check us out on your favorite pod streaming app after the show. I'm your host, Dan Mater. Join here, Chris Dowhauer. We're previewing the early window of games for Week 13. Chris, let's keep this thing rolling we got the Giants and the Miami Dolphins. Now, this was the other player I was talking about earlier in the show when I said we were getting conflicting reports all throughout all throughout the day, last couple of days. Daniel Jones, they're all over the map here. We had reporters saying he's definitely not going to play. It's definitely going to be Mike Glennon. We had other reporters saying, like, well, no, he's actually going to practice. They're not going to roll him out necessarily. He might be able to go. He did practice today. That was the official report. He did practice today. So it's not automatically going to be Mike Glennon. Does it matter? I don't know that it does. That, that's first and foremost. And I am not going to play a single pass catcher against the Miami Dolphins, whose defense has been playing much better as of late. And whether it's Mike Glennon or Daniel Jones, behind that offensive line with the way the Dolphins have been playing as of late, I don't know how much offense the Giants are going to be able to muster. The only person I have any interest in playing is Saquon Barkley. His usage has gone up. He's actually off the injury report now. So he has a safe floor. I have him in RB14, so I have him as an RB2 heading into the week, largely based on volume. Everything else is dead to me. Am I wrong? No, I can't argue strongly that you are. I think that in general, the offense could be just dead to you. And I mean, even Saquon's not been kind of what you kind of hoped he'd be. And Dolphins have been really good against the running back position over the last few weeks. Despite struggling so, so, so mightily early in the season, they've kind of rectified their defense, not just from the passing attack, but also against the running attacks. Yeah, you're still playing Saquon because of the volume. But ultimately, all the other wide receivers, 
No, because everyone's just getting stretched out with targets too much. So there's not one person I want to play. So we can flip things over to the Dolphin side right away. Two attack of the vote comes in my QB 16. So he's in that streaming conversation, but I think there's going to be other guys available to you that will probably have some more upside than, than he does this game. Miles Gaskin comes in my RB 19. He gets a couple of touchdowns last week, but Philip Lindsay did get to a significant share. However, Philip Lindsay's already banged up. So I don't know how much you want to look into that, but Miles Gaskin does come in as an RB two for me this week. He's been finding the end zone. He's still been the lead back. And as Philip Lindsay got more involved in the carries, they did go back to allowing Miles Gaskin to have a bigger role in the passing game. So do you have any concerns about Miles Gaskin? No, it's not pretty, but you continue to play him as an RB2 against the Giants here. I think you're playing on limited time. I think that we've been getting is kind of lucky in a lot of ways because I don't think it's efficient and I don't think it's necessarily going to continue. Um, he has been getting all the usage. Philip Lindsay was not necessarily bothering me with Gaskin because Philip Lindsay got most of his touches once they were up big, and then they started giving Lindsay some carries. But I think overall, this offense in general, I don't know how many points it's going to score week in, week out. You're not going to always play the Jets. So I don't think Miles Gaston is going to have necessarily the same kind of ceiling that maybe we've gotten out of him. And I think the floor is obviously something that you'd be concerned about because Miles Gaston can definitely have no floor for you. Yeah, but he's been a top 24 running back so far this entire season, so I think you're yeah. going to have to play him. Uh, the pass catcher gets a little more interesting. So it sounds like Devontae Parker is practicing this week. It sounds like they're expecting a return out of him finally. Tua is saying today that he actually wasn't limited in practice. They thought he looked good and was doing everything they were asking him to do on the field. So a good chance he returns. So that changes a lot of things. It doesn't change anything for Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle is my wide receiver 15. Whether Parker's been healthy, whoever's been healthy, Waddle always gets a good amount of volume. And we know what he can do after the catch when he's actually hitting stride. So I'm not worried about Waddle. Wide receiver two, lock him in. The guy you got to worry about is Mike Gusecki, who has been that great over the past couple of weeks anyway, but now you add Devontae Parker into the mix. All that does is take away more targets that were heading his way. He's all the way down at tight end 15 for me, so I don't look at him as anything different than a mid-level tight end two streamer, basically. I'm not locking him in in my starting lineup if I have other options to be able to turn to. And then Parker himself because they do tend to take more shots to him when he's on the field because they just want Waddle to play that safety blanket role over the middle. He's a wide receiver 36 for me this week. I do think he'll have a chance, especially if he's 100% healthy, he'll get some opportunities. I think he's somebody you can contemplate as a wide receiver three. So where do you think I'm at with Mike Gusecki and Devontae Parker? Yeah, I, I'm not starting Parker this week. I don't think the Dolphins can support it enough of, in the passing game. I think those are going to score enough points to have multiple receivers from this well, offense. They have volume. They still throw the ball more than anybody else. They do, but I think that when I look at what, you, what you're getting yardage-wise and what you're getting for scoring-wise, I think that you're kind of concerned. You haven't seen Gusecki do very much, like he's kind of pointed out, and it's only been him and Waddle. So having a third mouth to feed, I don't think it's necessarily going to be something that's all of a sudden going to be fed right off the bat. I don't like Parker this week. I do like Waddle. Gusecki, I think, is a guy that you might be still going to play because more than likely you might have a better option on your team at tight end. But I think it's a guy that you're not necessarily been thrilled with because, as I pointed out, this offense is going to be able to feature multiple pass catchers very often. Betting this game. It's in Miami. They are favored at minus four. The over-under set at a disgusting 40 and a half. Give me the over. I do think the Dolphins offense will perform well in this game. And give me the Dolphins a cover at minus four, two. 
I'm not doing. I'll do the under because I think this game's gonna be sixteen to nine, yeah. and I, I will definitely um, not be touching the betting part of it. Oh, not taking the Dolphins minus four over the Giants, even if it's Mike Glennon. Both those teams are not anything that I trust. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, we get the Dolphins Philadelphia lost the Jaguars. Don't forget that. <laughs> Valid. Uh, we got the Philadelphia Eagles and the New York Jets. So we got to talk about the Jalen Hurts situation. He did practice in limited capacity today. Every, seems like everybody seems to think he's going to play. Like there was an earlier talk about Gardner Minshew, how banged up is Jalen Hurts at the end of that game with the ankle issue. Serini says he's he has his mindset that he's going to play. Hurts has the same one. The fact that he was able to practice in a limited capacity today tells me I think he'll be able to be good to go on Sunday. You want him good to go. He's my QB eight this week against the New York Jets. Yes, last week was terrible, but he's got the Jets this week. As long as he's out there, he'll be mobile. He'll run. He should have an easier time throwing the football. So you're playing Jalen Hurts if he's active. You're also playing Devonta Smith as a wide receiver 22 this week. He's got a little bit more upside because of the matchup. He does usually see about six to seven targets. I don't think you're concerned about that. I think we got to ask yourself, Chris, Dallas Goddard. I got him at tight end six. I know people are hurting, but am I wrong or am I right? You got to stay on the Dallas Goddard. You got to stay on the process and the matchup here with Dallas Goddard. Yeah, I think you do. And especially with, you know, Devon Smith didn't practice today, so hopefully he will be back and be able to play. But if he's any reason to be out, he's going to be okay too. Yeah, I think there's definitely Dallas Goddard play. But otherwise, I still think he's a guy that you want to have in your lineup. You keep rolling him out there. I think he's still got the best upside for a lot of these tight ends that we talked about. There's not a lot of guys that you can really trust in this position, but this is a guy that should be involved in this offense, and you love the matchup. So I think this is a guy that you kind of hopeful. Maybe Hurts isn't as mobile and maybe throws a little bit more. Maybe Goddard actually the beneficiary of that, especially in the red zone. I, I agree. That's why I got him a tight end six. Don't come off of guys. We saw this happen to other tight ends in the past this season, come back and get back right to it because their usage stands that they will be back involved. Let's get into the real headache that is the Philadelphia Eagles. So Boston Scott didn't practice today. He's got an illness. That's Devonta Smith was suffering from. He had an illness too. Non-COVID illnesses. I feel like we always got to clarify that. Jordan Howard, who was expected to return this week, only expected to miss the one week. He was not able to return to practice today either. Now it's Wednesday. We'll keep. We'll, we'll see exactly what happens. We'll keep you up to date on social media at Belly of MDFF Show. The only person who did practice at all was Miles Sanders, who's banged up with the ankle injury, but he was limited. So practicing on a Wednesday, good sign. He'll be good to go. If all three of these guys are active, <laughs> what do you think is the outcome of the of this backfield? If all three of them are active, then I start Jordan Howard, and I'm kind of avoiding the other guys. If all, I, I don't think Jordan Howard is going to be active. If all three are active, you're going to start Jordan Howard and avoid Miles Sanders? This week, I would. Yeah, okay. So why for that? Because I think you saw last week, you saw Boston Scott kind of already out-touch Miles Sanders against the Giants. Just because Miles Sanders they're... got banged up. Exactly. So I think, therefore, if Jordan Howard is healthy, I think Miles Sanders is going to be a guy that you're going to necessarily try to get a whole bunch of touches to. I think Boston Scott will be mixed in. You'll see all three guys be utilized and therefore kind of cannibalize each other, particularly the backup two. So you're banking on the idea Miles Sanders gets banged up again or is limited in his touches. I don't really see it that way. If he's I think they're act- not going to necessarily push him as much. We talked about why he didn't play last week was because he got banged up. He only had nine touches. 
Boston Scott got 15. I, I'm saying if all three of these guys are going to be active, I think Miles Sanders is going to be the guy they're more apt to protect in a sense and won't necessarily have to get a lot of touches to be involved in this game because they should be able to beat this you know team pretty handily. But that that's my point right there. If Miles Sanders is active, he's only active because they want to use him. If they want to protect him, he's not active for this game. So that's kind of more my thing. If they're going to actually want to protect him, he doesn't play, period. That's why I believe if he's active – they're activating him with the intent that he's a starter getting the majority of the work. He's already 20 for me this week if he's going to be out there and playing for that reason against the New York Jets, which is a very good matchup. But I also have Jordan Howard at RB26. Boston Scott would be the odd man out if all three guys are active. Now, right now, if you go to BillyFantasySports.com, you'll see that I have Boston Scott ranked at RB33. That's with more of the anticipation that either Howard or Sanders, one of them winds up being inactive. If they're both active, I will put him outside my top 36. Just kind of give you guys an update there and also go check it out on BillyFantasySports.com to get the edge. Uh, We were number one in uh, ranking wide receivers last week, by the way, on Fantasy Pros. Jordan Howard, I think he's the safest bet. He's going to get you 10 to 12 carries no matter what if he plays, but again, did not practice today. Uh, So let's say this. Let's say Miles Sanders is out. Are you playing both Boston Scott and Jordan Howard with confidence? Okay, so it's a little bit different because I think Miles Sanders is going to play. He did. He is the one that actually practiced today. So I think Miles right. Sanders is going to actually play. I think Boston Scott is going to miss any time. It's going to probably be Jordan Howard or Boston Scott. I think Jordan Howard is the one who's going to miss time. I think Boston Scott and Miles Sanders are going to be the healthy guys who actually do dress out. Miles Sanders is the guy who I like the most in that situation. Okay. Uh, let's move to the Jets here. Not too much to talk about. Corey Davis didn't practice again, although there seems to be an expectation he's going to be able to practice tomorrow and be active for this game. So that does make it a little bit interesting, right? Because last week, look, Elijah Moore, he got eight targets. Good. Awesome. But it wasn't with Corey Davis out there. That's the big question that has to be answered. Everybody's just assuming Elijah Moore is the number one receiver moving forward. But the last time we saw Zach Wilson, Corey Davis was his guy. So, the question now becomes, if they're both active, what are you expecting out of those two? I think whoever to see Slay the most is going to gather who's going to get the least amount of targets. I think that's what we're going to boil down to. And they're going to try to avoid Slay as much as possible. The other guys will kind of get more featured as a result. So if you're going to see more lining up against Slay, or you're going to see Corey Davis line up against Slay, I think it depends on kind of the Eagles and who they kind of match up with them more so than actually the Jets. I think that's where, you know, I agree with you. Zach Wilson kind of showed that rapport with Corey Davis. But I also think this team shows you that they're going to look for the guys who are not seeing the top-match form week in, week out usually. Yeah, and I, I kind of have that ranking reflected in here. Corey Davis at wide receiver 44, because I believe if he's active, he will probably draw the Darius Slay coverage and Elijah Moore at wide receiver 37 as a result of that. But both outside my top 36 Neither one would really be plays for me if I could at all help it. And then on the other side, Tevin Coleman and Ty Johnson. Now, they're both top 36 running backs. Tevin Coleman coming at RB27, Ty Johnson coming at RB31. Just because it's so hard to find running backs, especially with four teams on by and all the injuries that we're dealing with. Much to my surprise, Tevin Coleman was actually able to play all four quarters last week without getting injured. Now, usually speaking, the games are not going to go the Jets' way or be in neutral game scripts for the most part. So I do think Ty Johnson will have more value than what he had as a flex play. But it turned me off a little bit to him. It's why I have Tevin Coleman ranked ahead 
They didn't bother to give him carries at all. It was the whole Tevin Coleman show. So something seems like it has to happen to Tevin Coleman or the Jets have to be down by multiple scores for Ty Johnson to get involved. Not really what I was expecting. I was expecting more of a 50-50 split. So where are you at on this, Chris? And are you are you going to play these guys if you absolutely have to, or are you just avoiding them all together? I'm avoiding them all together, particularly after what I saw last week where you saw his return to a three-man committee. And that's where you're just completely befuddled, not understanding what you're dealing with. I don't know if it really be a three-man committee moving forward. I'm not actually worried about Walter. I am, because I think that that you see that this is a team that has tried to use a three-three running back committee earlier, until basically it was shown to them that clearly one of the guys is the better guy, Michael Carter. So he got injured. I think Ty Johnson. I was super excited about him before with this whole new wrinkle and Tevin Coleman kind of still being out there and able to get the touches makes all three of these guys not valuable and people you really feel comfortable playing because I think you cannot necessarily feed three running backs, especially in your Jets offense. I don't disagree, but he only had three touches. He just happened to have the touchdown. I'm not worried about Walter as, a, as an actual three-man I think he had here. nine touches total. No, he did not. Uh, the, only, the only person who actually even sniffed that was Tevin Coleman, who had 16. Nobody, nobody came close to that. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles... Favored by minus seven over the Jets on the road. Over under set at 45 and a half. I'm taking the Eagles minus seven. Yeah, I think that's smart money. All right, let's move into our last game. We're going to talk about this, the Colts and Houston. The Colts, of course, you got Jonathan Taylor. He's near number one. I mean, he's your number one running back regardless, but you love it for the matchup too. Then you have Carson Wentz at QB 14 because he's a streaming option. Against Houston, everything is wide open and available to you. And I think you can definitely play him. He's been playing better as of late anyway. Been very consistent, been very efficient, especially off the play-action game. So Carson Wentz, a nice pickup for you this week. Let's talk about the wide receivers. Michael Pittman has not been very good lately. I, I, I explained this going into the week last week. T.Y. Hilton, since he's been back and playing on a regular basis, he has been eating into the targets of Michael Pittman, making him have a much lower floor than he ever had before. I still got him as wide receiver 15 against Houston. I'm not going to not bench him. He's still a wide receiver too. But you have to continue to lower these expectations with T.Y. Hilton being able to get through these games. So just kind of keep that in mind. But you love the match against Houston. You also love for T.Y. Hilton. I'm higher than him than anybody. I got him at wide receiver 33 this week. He's called the Houston killer for a reason. He scored a touchdown last week. I think there's a very good chance with him now getting his legs back under him. This is a prime spot for T.Y. Hilton to have one of his vintage blow-up Hilton games. So, Chris, where are you at with the pass catchers in this? I think it's more of the interesting question against Houston Texans. Yeah, I think Pittman's a guy definitely starting for sure. I'm not worried about you know, Hilton kind of you know stealing from his touches. He still had 10 targets last week. It's more on Pittman dropping the ball early in the game that was kind of screwed his such production versus you know, T.Y. Hilton kind of suffering or taking his production. So I think that's, that's definitely a guy you could start with, you know, with confidence. And talk about T.Y. Hilton being the Houston killer. You know, historically, this guy's been able to have some of his best games against Houston. His best game this season was against Houston, that first game back, four catches for 80 yards. He's one of those guys I think you can put in your lineup. The sleeper potential, especially in DFS, we'll talk about on Friday. But I think it's a guy you can probably, you know, if you're desperate to throw somebody out there, T.Y. Hill is not a bad guy to put in line up this week. All right. So that's all we need to talk about with the Colts. You're playing all your guys. I like it a lot, too. Especially, I'm going to especially like T.Y. Hill a lot for DFS purposes, most likely this week, too. Let's move over to the Houston side. 
So everybody wants to talk about the running backs because you're, you're just you're trying to find value out of the running backs. You're trying to. You got to find it somewhere. David Johnson got banged up in that game, but kept coming back in, even though he kept getting banged up. From what I understand, he practiced today. I don't know how, but he did. Uh, look, I'm not trying to test anybody. The Colts are a good run defense to begin with. Even with usage, this is the one situation where the usage matters not to me because the production is just not going to be there. So anybody ta- tells you that you can pick up Rex Burkhead or you can pick up David Johnson, ignore them. Don't listen to them. I'd rather take shots on guys who might hit a big play on fewer touches than have to play any one of these guys. Chris, am I wrong? No, I think this is a very similar situation to the Jets. And just to point out, Walter did have nine carries last week. Um, but the, the real quick, it's, it's the same situation where you just have guys who are going to get volume for what? For a team that can't score points. The best chance these, both these players have to have their best upside would have been last week versus the Jets, and you got squad douche for both those players. So for me, David Johnson and Rex Burkhead are never guys should be in your lineups. Don't be tempted. Don't be you know forced. These are guys who just don't play because there is no upside to these players. No, not none whatsoever. Uh, Brandon Cooks comes in at wide receiver 18. I talked about in the recap a little bit. Yes, he's the wide receiver that you, he's the one, I should say, he's the one fantasy asset you can play on the Houston Texans. Yes, he should get the bulk of the volume. Last week, he finds the end zone. But I wasn't thrilled. I wasn't happy about the usage. People are looking at his Brandon Cook snapping back a little bit to getting his fantasy value. I looked at it as lucky. Because his targets are still not significantly more than the rest of the field. Since Tyrod Taylor has come back, it's been spreading the ball out. Cook still hasn't seen double-digit targets since Tyrod Taylor's been back. That was the basis of his value. On paper, it's a nice match against the Indianapolis Colts, and you can still play Cooks. They still have him as wide receiver 18. Let's not get this twisted here. Still have him as wide receiver 2. But I don't think a return, kind of similar to Mike Williams, I don't think there's a return in the cards for Brandon Cooks to be that high-end wide receiver 2 he was earlier in the year because now Tyrod's sprinkling in everybody else. I definitely agree with you. I think this is that you kind of saw this last week and you're kind of disappointed from what you got against the Jets. And like, like I said, the Jets team is a team you should be able to eat against. This team really struggled to be able to get their playmakers the ball, particularly Brandon Cooks. You get kind of lucky into that touchdown, as you pointed out. You're not getting kind of the yardage that you want. You're getting the volume still to a degree, but you're not getting the overall production that you want. And I think that's where you really have to kind of temper expectations of Brandon Cooks the rest of the season. You may never get that again the rest of the season because his offense just frankly is bad. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and I don't know what I don't know what changed as far as they were making sure they got Brandon Cooks the ball before. They don't trade him away because they tell him they're going to build the entire offense around him. And then instead, we go back to Cooks doesn't get the ball. So again, you got to like the matchup. He is still the guy. The one thing I will say is that we still haven't seen Houston, funny enough, since Tyrod has come back, we haven't seen them a spot where they've been getting blown out or trailing by multiple scores. So I think that is a key point that we have not seen yet that usually should be part of their game script that very well could and should be this week against the Indianapolis Colts. That ultimately winds up saving his value for me. Is why I still have him at wide receiver 18. But it's just interesting to note that in neutral game scripts, maybe he doesn't have the same value that he once did. But in most of these game scripts, I think he will... Uh, for that let's talk about betting this game just (laughs) if you'd actually want to at your own despair so the Colts are at minus nine over under set at 45 and a half 
The Colts should cover. They should cover. Houston's been doing a pretty good job keeping these. Kind of, I mean, they're kind of like Detroit. They've been doing a pretty good job keeping games close over the past few weeks, especially at home. So I'm going to say no contest. Chris, do you feel confident about the Colts or anything else in this game? I'm going to be confident with the Colts. I think the Colts are due this week to finally be a team that does what they're supposed to do. And I think that they're going to cover. And they're definitely a superior team to Houston. Houston's kind of like talked about is due for a game where they get blown out. I think this is going to be the week that happens. I think, you know, normalcy returns hopefully to the NFL this week and the Colts blow off the Houston Texans, and I'd bet on that. Normalcy returns to the NFL. That'll be the day. All right, guys, let's go ahead and dive into the mailbag time. If I can find the drop. Somebody's screwing around my board. Here we go. The mail's here. All right, if you ever want to get in the mailbag segment, all you got to do is hit us up on social media at Show, and we will answer every single question you send us, and I'll pick out a few of my favorite ones. Let's go to the online board real quick, though. I've been saving on this one. Dan asked Tampa Bay defense or Miami defense this week. It's hands down Miami defense for me. What about you? Agreed. Agreed. Okay, let's get into our other questions we had. We had John. He asks, is Michael Gallup or Brandon Ayuk in the flex? It is Ayuk for me. They're both decent plays, but with Debo Samuel expected to miss this week, Ayuk, who has already been actually dominating the routes running targets the past couple of weeks, even with Debo on the field, because he's been playing more as a running back than a wide receiver, there's nothing to get in his way now. So I expect Brandon Ayuk to be the guy for me with just a higher floor. I agree with you. I think that Debo Samuel is a de facto like RB1 in a sense, and Brandon Ayuk, we talked about, is kind of his handcuff. You want to throw Ayuk in there this week is you're kind of going to get that receiver one production. Next question we got Magoo. Love it. 49ers defense or the Chiefs defense this week? It is the Chiefs defense for me. They've been playing much better as of late. The Broncos offense is struggling to score. They're living and dying by turnovers. Give me the Chiefs defense over the San Francisco defense. Yeah, I'm not loving both options. I do understand that Seattle's offense is definitely struggling, so San Francisco seems tempting to play. But I'm going to go lean towards Kansas City's defense, too. I'm going to go with the hotter defense and defense that seems to be kind of turning the corner. So I'll go with the Chiefs. And then last, oh, not last, but not least, we got Joey. He asked, Brandon Cooks or Van Jefferson this week? I do still have it being Brandon Cooks. Again, going off the game script where I expect the Colts to be up by multiple scores and Houston to have to come back. So I am going with Brandon Cooks here for that reason, but I like Van Jefferson as Jacksonville quite a bit too. Yeah, so I, I, I kind of struggled with this question initially. I thought Brandon Cooks, but I think I'm going to go with Van Jefferson. I like the matchup, I like the upside more, and I think that we've kind of we talked about you know Brandon Cooks kind of struggling to be what you kind of hoped he would be. Van Jefferson's not getting that attention, and I think that as a result, this guy has an upside that's going to be really great against Jacksonville. I think that Matthew Stafford kind of has a big place to him, so I go with Van Jefferson. Last but not least, Pat, rest of season, Miles Sanders or Javante Williams? It's Javante Williams for me. Miles Sanders might be in a three-man committee the rest of the way. We have absolutely no idea. And Javante Williams has the talent. And if anything happens to Melvin Gordon, we know he'll be an RB1. But even if he's just with Melvin Gordon the rest of the year, we know that's not going to open up into a three-man committee at any point in time. So I'm taking Javante Williams. What about you? I'm 100% taking Javante Williams. As you pointed out, Miles Sanders would be – and basically battling two other guys possibly for playing time for a, a coach who doesn't seem to always love playing him in the first place or giving him all the touches. 
versus Denver situation where you've already seen what you're kind of the worst case for Javante Williams. You can get to see the best case. So I think that Javante Williams is the guy I definitely want to keep the rest of the season. All right, that's going to do it for the show today, guys. Hope you all enjoyed it. A lot of information for you guys. A lot of fancy expectations to be had. Make sure you tune in back in tomorrow night at 8.30. I'll be on Thursday Night Gamecast, plus the late slate of matchup previews for Week 13. I'm your host, Dan Maynard. I'm joined here with Chris Dowhower. Follow us along on social media, at BillyUpMDFF Show. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Download the episode on the Podstreaming app, and I'll see you guys tomorrow night.